how do you adjust the income statement of a business in an LBO? We'll find out today on Investment Banking Insights. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Investment Banking Insights. This is the only show dedicated to helping you learn both the technical and non-technical aspects of the investment banking process. My name is Alex Mason and I am your host. Thank you so much for joining me. We got a fun topic today talking about leverage buyouts, specifically about how things are affected on the income statement. And I like this, this topic because it combines some concepts that we've talked about in the past. Of course, we've talked about leverage buyouts in great detail, a number of subtopics within this section. But this also kind of merges with the topic of accounting, which is really, I think, one of the most fundamental pieces to really understand in investment banking, because if you understand accounting, you can understand the language of finance, which is absolutely critical. So this kind of merges those two things, and I really like it. So let's say that a private equity firm does their due diligence, they find a suitable target for a leverage buyout. They then make the offer, it's accepted, and then the purchase goes through for the target company. So now that the leverage buyout has been performed, how does the income statement of the portfolio company actually change as a result of the leverage buyout? So if we think about our income statement, what's at the very top? Well, it's the revenue, the top line. I mean, ideally, this is going to go up, right? You want this to go up. You expect this to happen with a growing business. But this line item is likely not directly affected because of the LBO itself. Remember, this is just a transaction transferring ownership of the business from one party to another. It's not necessarily changing the revenue, although you want that revenue to increase over time, of course. So most of our time today will be focused on expenses, the cost side of the income statement. So let's go ahead and talk about how some of these are impacted. First of all, you have cost of goods sold. Now, maybe the company takes some actions that affect cost of goods sold. Maybe the company lays off some of its employees. Maybe there are other cost-cutting measures related specifically to the products and services that that company provides. You might see some changes there. For example, if you're a toothpaste company and you make toothpaste tubes in order to sell your toothpaste, what happens if you find a way to make the toothpaste tubes ever so slightly thinner than they were before, which reduced your material costs, your raw material costs, and therefore improves your margins because you can sell that toothpaste at the exact same price that you did before. So things like that. You could do things like that, just operational improvements that affect cost of goods sold. Then another expense that's affected is depreciation expense, potentially. Let's say during the LBO, there are write-ups for the property, plant, and equipment, the PP&E, within the business. So if there's any of these write-ups, you'll have an increase in your depreciation expense, and that hits the income statement. Also, not just depreciation expenses could be affected. You might have amortization expenses that are affected. Instead of a write-up of a physical asset, you might have a write-up of an intangible asset as a result of the transaction, or you might have some financing fees that are capitalized 
And so remember, when you have capitalized financing fees or when you have intangible assets, anytime you hear that word intangible, think about amortization, which is just the spreading out of those costs over time. Very similar to depreciation, but depreciation is referring to physical assets. Okay, so your depreciation expense might increase, your amortization expense might increase. Again, all dependent on the write-ups and what happens as a result of the transaction. And then you also have potential changes in financing expenses. Remember, leverage buyouts have leverage, which means the company incurs more debt. And what does more debt mean? Well, more interest expense. So those interest expenses are going to show up on the income statement. So you're going to see those financing expenses in your non-operating expenses section. Another thing that you might want to consider are dividends. Now, these could be either common share dividends that are paid to investors. For example, in the case of a dividend recapitalization, which is a concept we've talked about in the past, which is a way that a private equity firm can kind of extract some returns early before actually selling the business that they've bought in an LBO. Or you could also have preferred stock, which might be used to partially fund the deal of the LBO itself. And remember that preferred stock pays dividends. And so that's a cash outflow. One important note here is that dividends are not reflected on the income statement, but they do affect the financial statements overall because they come out of retained earnings. And they're also reflected on the cash flow statement. So dividends do affect the company's cash flow, but they're not income statement specific things. But just another note there for something for you to think about. And then another thing that you might consider are something that are specific to leverage buyouts called sponsor management fees. And instead of or in addition to dividends, the private equity firm that owns this portfolio company might charge it a management fee because of the effort related to acquiring and owning the business. And the way I see this is, it's kind of like, (laughs) in my view, it's kind of like the private equity firm extracting a little bit of returns from the business early. Basically saying like, hey, we performed this LBO, we bought this business, now go ahead and pay us a little management fee for all the work that we did (laughs) and, and that we're doing in order to manage the business and kind of keep an eye on things, look for ways to strategically improve the business. So it's it's kind of a way for them to extract a little bit of return early for their efforts is how I see it. So you might see this hit your income statement too because it's, it's a fee and expense that the business is incurring. So basically, all of these things are adjustments to the expenses of the firm. And over the long term, the private equity firm will ideally increase its margins to create a larger gap between the company's revenue and their expenses, which would make it more profitable. And this will in turn help the business sell at a higher multiple and create more profits for investors upon its exit. So that's kind of the why behind all of this. Why are we accounting for all these expenses? Why are we focused on cost-cutting, optimization? It's to increase our margins. It's to increase our profitability, Of course, you want to make necessary investments in order to increase revenue too, but in the long term, you want to increase that profitability, increase that multiple. You can sell for a higher multiple, sell for a higher price, and then, hey, owners of the business are happy. 
the investors in the private equity fund are happy too because they're getting a return on their investment. And that's how it works in the, uh, in the, in the case <laughs> where everything works out. So that's what I got for you today here on Investment Banking Insights. Thank you so much for showing the show some love on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, hitting those five-star ratings. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you also to those of you connecting with me, following me on LinkedIn. I appreciate it so much. I hope you're having an amazing, amazing day. Take care. I'll see you in the next one.